You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. This week, we're talking about customer experience, not only the kind that is served through screens, but those delivered person-to-person and team-to-team. How is technology upping the game to teams like ours, and how are we responding I couldn't be happier with the group that we have today that is uniquely situated, very happy, and drinking red wine, mind you. Yummy. My name is Jim Ganser, Vice President of Media and Acquisition, reminding you that the best way to get with the program is to follow us on Twitter at The A-Game Podcast. Let me introduce who's here. He's our digital strategist, account lead, and newly minted Vice President. Hey, thanks, buddy. Congratulations. Jeff yeah. Colleton. So did the family take you out to dinner? Did you guys go to Outback Steakhouse? No, I have to do twice the number of dishes at home now. Oh. Outback would be a nice touch, though. I mean, a Bloomin' Onion. Yeah. You can't you can't do wrong with a Bloomin' Onion. No. He is the most valuable dishwasher in the house. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Some I, might say the only. Yeah. He, he's pretty particular about the dishes. Uh, that voice you just heard is our Senior Vice President of Creative and Development. Tom Keithley is with us today. Tom. Thank you. It's good to have you, buddy. And we also have our senior account manager, Sarah Myers, in the house. Hi. I'm Welcome. super excited. Welcome to the show. <laughs> she's Thank she's you. feigning super excitement. <laughs> well, she's been prepping for this her whole life. Well, I figured... It's game time. I figured since we got some new voices on the program, what better time to get the audience acclimated? Sarah, why don't you just give us a quick spin on what you do at Adcom, okay. your background, anything else you'd like to share? Sounds good. I think I've been doing this for about 15 years now. Um, account exec. Right now I'm a senior account exec, but uh, I'm not that old. So. <laughs> Whoa. It's, not, it's, not a, it's not a connotation on age. It's a connotation <laughs> on skill set. Senior citizen. Yours being a significant skill set. Right. So I um, have a big focus on digital um, and have built a ton of websites for numerous clients, including... GE, right now we're doing Cardinal Commerce and a bunch of others. Shout out to our peeps at Cardinal Commerce. That's right. Enterprise level websites. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Thanks. Very cool. Very cool. Tom, what about you, man? Yeah, so I lead our digital development group. Um, You know, I also do a lot of uh, digital strategy. I lead um, most of the user experience in the agency. And my teams include uh, the creative, uh, developers, um, user experience designers, that type of thing, writers. Very cool. Jeff, you've got a MySpace page. (laughs) (laughs) You know MySpace is still around? Really? Yeah, still. So getting into the program today, uh, I thought we'd we'd start off with uh, a conversation around uh, personalization. So if you look back, I mean, we're kind of at the end of January, as I can see by um, January Jeff, 31st. Jeff's frothing mouth mm-hmm. at, at the sight of other people drinking alcohol. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, you know, a month into a new decade. You look back at the prior decade, it was all about digital. It's like digital, 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 digital transformation, all these different uh, emerging technologies. Looking forward, it's, it's becoming more and more about identity and personalization. Jeff, when you think about personalization, uh, what, what comes to mind? So, you know, I st- a lot of my early career started off in email. And email is, is one of the, f- the first and easiest ways to have data behind the scenes that you could inject into a dynamic experience where you're personalizing. You know, it started off with subject lines and names and images and stuff like that. It's really um, grown from there. But email is a channel of 
I'm not going to say it's it, it's it's certainly not obsolete, but in my opinion, it kind of it's it's reached its peak saturation, and over the next twenty years, you're just going to see it used less and less. Um, but it ushered in what I think was a really interesting time um, in digital landscape is where you're at. You're building out digital properties, and this is why having you two here is cool. Is you're digging out, building out digital properties, not just a site, not just an app, not just an email experience that are intrinsic to themselves, personalized. And one of the things I always say, and I think I stole it from Tom at some point, mm -hmm. was um, that's, that's supposed to be the highest form of flattery. Thank um, you. Is, you, you know, we may work in the middle market and our clientele may be accustomed to thinking in the middle market from a digital experience, but they're not judged against the middle market. They're not judged against their competitors. Digital experiences are judged against the best of the best now. So we're judged against Apple. We're judged against Uber. We're judged against, you know, whatever things that people use every day, Amazon, because that's what consumers uh, demand. And those platforms are so ubiquitous and so widely used and have brought personalization to us so readily that it's not a, a nice to have anymore. It's a must have, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's a, that's everything you strategize now, yeah. even if it doesn't start there, seems to be going there. Yeah, it seems like everybody wants to do personalization and everybody realizes that the biggest brands in the world are benefit, benefiting from it greatly. Um, I think they're just struggling with how to get started. So, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, everybody that we um, speak to, every client that we develop these strategies for, it's about, all right, what is the crawl strategy to personalization? Um, because they really struggle with it. And there's, there's no doubt. You know, I, I look back at the, the last five years uh, in the digital landscape, and I would say probably the biggest innovation in all of digital is, in in my mind, no doubt personalization and how that uh, affects um, automation. I think people look at it as, or at least we like to look at it as, like this is the the greatest way to uh, support, you know, any customer journey is through through personalization. Does that does that mandate that you guys build differently now? Because I need, like you know everybody's experience first website stuff. You yeah. like you build a page, you build a page, you build a page. Does it change the way you build and strategize how to build stuff? Yes, it, it really does. Um, you know, we, we used to build, you know, page by page, like you say, but now it's more kind of an object-based um, approach, you know. Component-based. Yeah, and components. Like, it's not, it's not necessarily, you know, a page. It's more about, you know, how do we, you know, uh, sup, you know content's driving everything, yeah. right? So how do we design our content to, to deliver and help us nurture our customers or our users down that customer path towards towards a conversion. So you know we call it object based. It's um it's not it's not you know you 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 author a piece of content now, um, and it doesn't go in a particular place on the website. You don't it's not a linear fashion. You don't say hey to, in order to get to this piece of content you click here you click there you click there. No n not anymore. Now it's a, now it's about authoring a piece of content and and contextually tagging it. Uh, in a way that allows um, a user and for it to show up everywhere on the website that is relevant to the user's path. Um, it's really kind of a, a much more dynamic approach to creating a, a return on people's investment and in, in what they're doing with their content. So you, do you find that like that sounds like a lot of re-education? 
on your end to a client, people yeah. who've built stuff before, but now like all of a sudden you're in teacher mode again. Right, because they're used to having page by page, build this page and, and push it live. Yeah. And now it's all interconnected within your website and content in this house and pushed out throughout your website and your social channels. And most clients aren't set up for that. So really that's the first step. And that's why personalization kind of comes second step, third step, it's a little harder. That's usually a good opportunity for us though. Like anytime there's, there's stuff to be taught, we can be very useful. Yeah, that's interesting. And in the organization that Sarah and her uh, team on the account side have to go through in order to just make sure that the right content is showing up in the right place at the right time. Literally, you know, we, 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 we try to build every piece of content and every experience in a way that says, let's deliver that relevant contextual piece of content to the user before they even know that they want it. So is it harder now? Is it harder to build? than it used to be? Was it easier when it was just page by page and now like everything's, you know, minority report swirling? I mean, it, it depends. Developing, it's probably easier because you use the same components throughout the site. Oh, okay. You're not just building something unique every single time. And a lot of times we approach uh, a website by little little bites, little sections, mm -hmm. and we can use those components as we're building more, or the, the client can use components to author and, and put in their platform. The design portion of it is way better. Like, you know, I spend you know, a lot of my time um, with the creative team trying to get them to get to the solution that's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was around, all right, you know, you need a look and a feel that's going to inspire certain emotions here and there and whatever there's psychology behind it or whatever um, <laughs> yeah, yeah whatever. It's, not, it's just science yeah right <laughs> but um, you know now you know through a process we call atomic design um, it allows us to these designers to get to this whole look and feel much easier much quicker and and and, and make it look across the website like this cohesive awesome experience specifically when we're you know doing like what Sarah was talking about this this bite-sized approach to content and website um, development you know one of my the, my favorite things that you guys do is I mentioned before that we you know we're getting maybe unfairly from a budgetary standpoint judged against the biggest of the big like right. you can't keep up like there's you don't have the r&d budget well we steal their strategies let's be but honest but that's no <laughs> but that's to me that's extraordinarily interesting because when you go i remember when i was first in this space helping people do this stuff maybe 10 years ago and and doing a couple of creative concepts for a site was terrifying you just like throw stuff out and forget even putting like, this is going to include two rounds of revisions right. because you just threw something out there and just like looked at faces and just crossed your fingers. But the thing you do now, which I think is so damn smart, is just it, like going out and we're taking obviously things that we can recreate, but these best of the best mm -hmm. user experience look and feels that people have really become engaged with organic shapes and different parallaxes on scrolling yeah. and and then furnish those up. Yeah. Like obviously knowing the client first, but saying like, hey, maybe this is the way we should go. What do you think about this? So it's like pre-design before you actually design, which I just think is so damn smart. Absolutely, thank you. We, we You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we talk about design um, thinking that is very prevalent in the, you know, the education or the uh, academia and um, evidence-based design and these type of things that really allow us to, you know, people people think we're like, you know, our teams are wildly strategic and and and, and they are and creative, right? And Thanks. they are. <laughs> 
Uh, but you know that that world class creative is is much easier when you have all the answers, and all the answers come to us in research. So that research, that that design thinking process that we've um, you know evolved for our own use. Um, and evidence-based design allows us uh, allows all the team members to go out there and see and research and identify what are the greatest trends out there. Not only trends, but you know, like what you're talking about. What are the Amazons of the world's doing? What are these large, large enterprises that are spending millions in user experience? Crazy money. The, my, yeah. We could never replicate. Right. Yeah, so we, you know, you know, I said earlier we steal their strategies. That's not that really is not true. Even though we joke, it's more about just being inspired by them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, That's and I really identifying what it is they're doing and why they're doing it and how they're doing it, and then uh, you know making that part of you know our recommendations, saving the money to go down that path and uh, utilizing that to to get somewhere efficiently and and affordably for our clients. Well, I'm I'm a firm believer that innovation is not invention. So ideas, God, good. <laughs> ideas are for everyone. So I think it's it's really about execution. So we're talking about the difference between um, execution and design. Uh, I really want to talk a little bit more about like this object-based approach. Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And I'd love to just like pull off the street a little bit and go parallel path, because I really do believe that the more fluid the digital experiences. Um, that that we have on a daily basis for every Amazon in the world, for every infinite scroll, for every parallax, uh, it's upping the stakes for us as people interacting with other people. And behind all the designs and all the design thinking and all of the production and execution, there are real people, mm -hmm. real people working together and doing it the right way. And I'd like to, you know, maybe pause for a moment and, and maybe think about taking some of these tenants and talking about how our teams operate. How do our teams kind of come to life? Um, the experiences that you guys have had, the best successes that you've had, I, I think it's kind of training the mind to go towards the strategy as opposed to the page by page, which I associate with tactics, right? So what does it take to create that meaningful client experience, that customer experience that goes in front of the, the physical technology? Well. I think Tom was starting to talk about all the discovery and the research that goes into it. And our process, unlike a, a lot of shops and firms, they're really specialized in development or design, and we have all of that. You yep. know, tactic, tactic, tactic. Mm -hmm. Right. So we go through these huge discovery processes with the right size discovery with the clients, mm -hmm. but um, to find all their business objectives, all their marketing objectives, who they are, who they want to be, you know, future huge goals that they have, and we build right size for that. So it's not just about all the trends and the unique things. We we are creating um, a platform and a solution for them specifically. Because nobody nobody comes to us, so just because they're too busy, because they tell us what they're like. Oh, I'm just going to tell you what to do. They come to us like they come to an architect to make their house. Like, what the hell should I do? And it's our being able to do that ushers them through the process. That beginning of it, that research stuff, that cements a relationship. Obviously, what you deliver is a major component of that, but the cementing of the relationship is in that back and forth that not only just early on, but in that, do I feel like you're leading me, you're a shepherd, you know what I'm talking about. And I think you guys do that fabulously. Um, and I think that's procedurally that account piece, that relationship piece up front makes all the difference in the world. 
No doubt. Um, you know, I, I think you, you, know, you talk about, you know, that experience and how you develop that experience or maybe those contextual tagging strategies or personalization that, that elevates the user experience. You know, it, 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 these are just, these are not necessarily just experiences. These are human experiences. And we're trying to duplicate these human experiences in a digital world. Um, I think uh, what you find out in the, in the world and what I've found for years is that, you know, I really feel like the UX model out there is broken. You know, um, you know the, just the definition of the world experience, it's about something, you know, personal that happens to someone individually, right? And Not know, a blanket of we shotgun you with this experience because they yeah. think it's best for all of you or for us. Right. And, yeah. you ha- and so how does any one person or one UX designer or one UX team, how do they come up with an experience that is, a, that is appropriate and, and works for everybody? So, so we take on the model of literally, we call it deliberate collaboration, right? How do we get, you know, Everybody. Tom is marketing all this shit. Man. I know. I, I'm just writing all this stuff I got to say, TM, 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 TM. Yeah. You heard he said atomic Atomic-based design. Yeah, atomic-based like, design. Shit. Atomic-based design. <laughs> Trademark. Yeah. Stamp it. Capital, capital T. Ca- capital T. I love it. Oh, well, well this leads the it's conversation. This is common. Yeah. The, the conversation we were having earlier, which I know pisses you off, but is also a very good conversation is and what you guys are talking about is the delineation between the, the kind of the question the next thing i have which is web development web development the spin up of easily built kind of templated websites has devalued the idea of web development what you're talking about is not web development what you're talking about is user experience in his digital strategy mm-hmm. is you know digital property building and strategy around customer experience and user experience yeah. the web development piece of it okay yeah you can spin up a site quickly but is it going to do anything and for the lower end for somebody who may spend you know a company that may spend 10 15 20 grand on a website not saying that there's anything wrong with that but the to look at that and say, oh yeah, you know, with like a, you know, with a GoDaddy or a Wix or something like that, I could get 80% of the way there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, but f- there's no experience built into it yeah. whatsoever. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I, you know, I think that's a good point. I think if you look at a website as just the, the outward facing hood uh, ornament, Okay, you know, I I, I, I would look he at it. Like he didn't like that. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, it's a represent, it's a direct representation or the communication of your marketing strategy. It's and sometimes the only impression, yeah, first impression. Exactly. If they, if you don't have a physical, you know, store or they don't meet your people, that's it. Yeah, that's no pressure, brand. no pressure. And it, yeah, and it goes deep. I mean, yeah, like, sure. it's used to validate pretty much everything we we do. But the bottom line is, is if if your if your uh, marketing strategy is not that sophisticated, then those websites will probably um, work fine for you. Mm-hmm. I think the more sophisticated you get, and the more um, you are uh, looking for elevated conversions, or you are looking for truly duplicate duplicating duplicating your <laughs> Uh, most successful omni-channel journey um, online and actually nurturing your user down that customer path towards conversion, then you're going to need the technology that allows you to do that at a high level. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, some unsophisticated um, marketing strategies can be developed on an unsophisticated platform. Um, the more sophisticated uh, you get, 
with your marketing strategies and clearly uh, personalization, contextual marketing becomes a large part of that. You're going to need the uh, the content management system or the experience platform, which is what we're you know moving towards. Uh, you're going to need the one that to support. Well, and you can't do any of that without what you were talking about, like all right. the upfront. Yeah. All the conversations, all the research, all the questions. You can't do any of it. Jeff's talking to Sarah right now. For I am talking to Sarah. <laughs> she held him out. We're not, said, this uh, isn't live? We're not in video? <laughs> oh, my fault. Not yet. Not yet. Those are kind of the drag and drop sites. And, you know, they market them as you can create them in 15 minutes with no real development skills. So there's a market for it, but it's not usually our market. And, what, great point. Those are not our customers. Yeah. When I, when I start to think about personalization, I think artificial intelligence. And when I think of mm-hmm. arti- artificial intelligence, I sure. think of um, machine learning based on many, many iterations of um, interactions, right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about getting the most out of your personalization, does a client need to have a certain amount of traffic to their website to get the most out of it? Or is that just a myth? Well, I'm, I, there's no there's no doubt about the fact of the matter is that everything we do, uh, you know, we want to track and we want to optimize that experience based on what we track. So if you have little bits of data, little bits of data are better than no bits of data. Um, but the more traffic you have, the the easier it is to optimize it. Um, and quite frankly, you know, the, all the machine learning capabilities that we have now within our content management systems allow us to really, you know, learn. And, and, and these newer things that are happening now, it, it, they allow us to automate that optimization, which is some of the really exciting, uh, you know, n- next-gen uh, type of technology around um, these content management systems. The the chatbots. Uh, uh, was it Google that just uh, announced a new chatbot? Unbelievable! What that thing's going to do? They're claiming it's the best in the world. I mean, these chatbots really are not the chatbots that people think of as chatbots. They are they are not your father's chatbots. Um, these things. Well, yeah. and you're not talking about websites anymore. You're talking about you know, digital strategy across any touch point. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what you guys are talking about now. And that kind of step forward with a company like Google who can support it allows you to do it anywhere. It allows yeah. you to tie it in through a voice assistant, allows you to tie it in to your car as they become autonomously driving, allows the personalization loop to be a lot more than just what you did on your desktop or your laptop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, across all, every touch point. I mean, that's the that's the whole idea. You know, people, um, this facial recognition thing, I mean, we are not far from you walking, uh, wherever you're walking, your face being recognized and you being delivered a personalized message. Scary. Yeah. Question for you, Sarah. Mm-hmm. What makes a strong user experience with a website, just down to the basic core of it. I've, I've got a business, I've got a customer base, I'm paying all this money to get people there. Is there just like a basic tenant that goes beyond what we're talking about industry by industry that just says, yeah. this is what a good customer experience looks like? I mean, the simpler you can make it, the better, the less doors to go into. Great point. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the main thing, easy to navigate. Okay, I'm going to pass the the customer hat over to you, and I want to know about the websites that you go to that feel like they get you. Wow. Like, what are what are those sites that come Uh-oh. come to mind? <laughs> the websites that get me. Um, You're like they've. This feels like me. I'm coming to this site. It's starting to learn. Um, there, you can't use the a word. You complete me. You can't use the a word. It's Atomic <laughs> design. No, that's Amazon. Oh. Amazon. You can't use the Amazon word. Is, is too there, easy. 
Because yeah. here's where I'm going. With yeah. this. I feel like everybody talks about personalization. And everybody's like, everybody's upping the game. But I don't know that everybody's actually doing it well. Right. Um, I mean, I do way too much research to have a website just be me. I, I just shoe shop, you know, and, and they don't personalize right to me because I already bought these shoes and they're sending them to me in ads over and over again. I'm like, I already got those. Why yeah. are they like, showing Come on, up? man. Check your yeah. cart. Yeah. See, that's why people like, uh, like us are always going to have jobs because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just rely on technology. Robots are not coming for your jobs, people. Robots are making people better at Disclaimers. their jobs. Robots are coming for some of your jobs. Yeah. Well, actually, there's not as many farmers <laughs> as there used to be. Um, you know, tractors make farmers more efficient. Sarah makes a good point around the fact that there's a lot of personalization going on out there. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily good. And I think that I, I see all the time, you know, these personalization strategies clearly, um, you know, they reveal themselves very easily. Uh, Is that good, though? Should it should it reveal itself to be a good personalization strategy or should you not notice it? I would. I, it needs to be seamless. You don't notice it. Absolutely. I think the best personalization well, there strategy. there you go, Sarah. Yeah. I have no idea. She's having an amazing experience <laughs> with the personalization. <laughs> no, I think it definitely needs to be, you know, something you don't even notice. The best personalization strategy is the one that, you know, is delivering content to you, to you and you're like, wait a minute, how did they know that's the content I wanted? Right. So that's what happens. You know, the Google and Facebook aren't actually listening. They're just so well personalized. They're like, you don't even remember doing this or was I listening to you? Right. I mean, the best one really for me is Pinterest because they just give me, you know, French bulldogs, guinea pigs, stuff I look at. <laughs> I don't know what the guinea pig thing is about, but then I look at more and then I get more guinea pigs. Um, but I'm, I'm all about pictures of guinea pigs, not not the physical, not ownership, not the physical presence. No, yeah. not the ownership. There's only a matter of time. I've got children of a certain age. There's somebody's going to come home with a guinea pig. Right. Is that how it happens? Somebody just comes. Yeah. I think that's what happens. You actually have to get two because they're they don't survive well. Just see, that's themselves. what they tell you. That's a victim of marketing, right? Why there. Why don't you just avoid all that and young bring marketers. two home tonight, Jim? Young marketers, mm-hmm. the so, ad com Do you see what Pinterest did? Check out the job boards. Though? So Sarah doesn't own a guinea pig. No. <laughs> Pinterest keeps furnishing th- her things about guinea pigs. They have incepted her into getting a guinea pig, but not just one, two guinea pigs. <laughs> exactly. She's educated on Good job, Pinterest. Pigs. You right. know, Pinterest, you don't get enough credit all the time. How did they know? How did they know? <laughs> it's amazing. Jeff, what, what could we learn from a, a customer service standpoint as a service-based organization from great digital design? <sighs> wow. The, no pressure. No pressure is right. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a conversation we have all the time is, is stop thinking channel agnostic. Start thinking about somebody's experience with a brand or experience with us as a larger entity. If you just do a thing or we just do a thing for somebody, you know, nothing is just one tactic anymore. No email is just an email because you click out of that email into another experience on a landing page and somebody downloads a white paper from that landing page. You've got three different touch points where somebody has an experience. We talking people right now. We talking people. You, you talking tech. We talking peeps. Let's go. You people. Say, are we you going and your to, client. We going into new office space here? Um, it's Jeff Carlton wandering the the hallways at, at Key Bank. You know what it is? It is. Is that personalization? To Sarah's point. Yeah, but my level of personalization <laughs> is different. I just wander. Sarah's point, she, she mentioned simple experiences. Simple experiences are hard. 
and they're thoughtfully constructed to be simple. And our experiences with people should be roughly the same thing. Should it be a complex experience? Shouldn't feel like it. And if you were thoughtful and did your research in advance, it would feel simple. You could make it feel simple. Uh, let's be honest. Simple it, and thoughtful. Yeah, everything we do in the advertising world, the successful stuff is about supreme clarity that is simple and contextual to our users. You're a, this is literally a human soundbite for this stuff. Yeah, so. God. I, I think, well, I mean, that's. You're going to be sitting in that seat more often, Joel Hammond, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Joel's usually just looking at his phone. <laughs> he loves Twitter. I miss it though. I know. He would he would not be paying attention right now and really just laughing to himself. Just driving And just up. waiting to just rock it out of the chair, out of the room. <laughs> just being really frustrated that we're one minute over. Miss you, Joel. Yeah. Aww. Where's Joel? Where's Joel? I, I think he's him. hawking Super Bowl squares right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've got to buy one of those. He's yes. gambling. Speaking of Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, that could be a good topper because I know we're running out of time here. Yeah. Have you seen what's your what's your pre favorite Super Bowl commercial so far? You seen what seen no, one you love? I, I, they saw they came they're, out today. But they're I'm... killing the planters. Not I heard. Yeah, that's one that's got a lot of that's very contentious. Hyundai doing the Smart Park. Oh God, love that Smart Park. That is a legit commercial. Have you have you seen it yet? Okay, Hyundai's Smart Park, which is their <laughs> Smart Park feature done by people Boston? from Boston okay. with Boston accents. <laughs> It's amazing. Big poppies in there. Number two. Who, who are the... Uh, oh, so it's uh, Chris Evans, Rachel Dratch, and um, John Krasinski. Oh, yeah. And Big Poppy. Yeah. Oh, Big Poppy. Yeah, um, and number th- number two, people are... there. I've seen multiple headlines about the Michelob Ultra, Jimmy Fallon, John Cena ad that have proclaimed it the best commercial ever. It is not. So I'm, I'm, let me play spoiler on you real quick. Funny commercial good commercial they play off each other well some people are are really over inflating how good this commercial well, is right i mean now. it's opinion based <laughs> it could be the most amazing it's, thing that thanks, one person it's, ever saw i think you're it's the good most amazing co-worker that, that i've ever had i like the idea of the hype that we're actually looking at commercials before they i'm, an, yeah. I'm an optimist i, I like might i might think it's the best thing i've ever seen you, you and been, that kind of gets me excited you spend five plus little. million dollars for 30 seconds nope you spend five plus million dollars and you're going to buffer it up with paid media in advance. I just, I can't wait for the... Um... <laughs> Halftime show? Ooh, Ooh. Here we go. Who is it? Sarah, tell us more. Shakira and J-Lo? Yeah. Oof, those hips don't lie. I mean, that's going to be better than Adam Levine Can just we say that? desperately taking off his shirt last year. <laughs> was it desperate? I was thought it? so. At the end, he was like, oh. <laughs> He's like, this person. isn't going well. Yeah. yeah. It well, helped. Good well, on him to have that extra card to play. Yeah. What well, was the greatest, uh, the greatest halftime show yet? Oh, Janet Jackson and Timberlake. Oh, geez. are you kidding me? Why? Because there's uh, nudity. No, Brief. the controversy Brief. and the dancing and the <laughs> and the dancing. Gaga, you know, you Gaga know, a few years back. Gaga's good. She, was, that, I, she, she caught a diving uh, catch of the football on the end. I got to tell you that Queen B. Yeah, <laughs> man. Oh, Come on, man. Man, I mean, that Queen B. You know, the game is in Miami this year, and it makes me think of Prince. Singing "Purple Rain" in, in the rain. That was pretty good at halftime. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was right. pretty amazing. Yeah. I think I you gotta, I, we might have to wrap up on that because you, you're not going to top Prince. How about some? Uh, you know, who's going to win? Is there music yeah. on this game? podcast? <laughs> there will be a yeah. There's going to be we, uh, yeah, but you're not going to hear it. So we up. take a break for our uh, Michael. We're going to need from we're our Purple Rain. Well, here's what we're going to do. I like where Sarah's going. I think we should all do a prediction for the game. Okay. And it the prediction should involve the score of the game, mm-hmm. but if you feel 
that you need to expand upon that, you can. Okay. I have two predictions. Okay. One. <laughs> and he's not going to get the winner wrong. One. Patrick Mahomes yep. starts his ascent to the cream of the crop of NFL quarterbacks. Is he not already I'm there? with you. I, it's, it's hard to say he's not, but he's not until he wins the game. Six more. I think it's, it's going to be really – this is going to be his the beginning of an amazing career, even with how good the 49ers defense is. So I think the Chiefs win. I think – and here's my long ball – is Matthew McConaughey is going to be pictured on somebody's sideline. I just always think Matthew McConaughey is shown on the game in somebody's sideline. <laughs> I'm like, how's that dude get those tickets? Alumnus. So John. what's your prediction, Jeffrey? Kansas Score. City, 36. Those San Francisco 49ers, 27. Ooh. It's probably, I, it's probably not should, far off. Yeah, I should check my squares on that. Tom, so Tom, I'm a, I really uh, this is and what I'm excited about this game is is that you know the best teams are in it and yeah. that, that makes for an so exciting fun. Super Bowl and I no doubt it's going to be high scoring and fantastic. I'm a bigger fan of Kansas City uh, people than I am um, San Francisco and it's not necessarily the people it's just the team that I didn't really you know enjoy that uh, San Francisco what they did to our Browns this year. So I'm rooting for Kansas City, but what I do think is going to happen, which I, uh, you know maybe it's the the Draft Kings, uh, you know. Uh, gambler in me. Joel is here. But uh, <laughs> it's the chair. <laughs> uh, you know, I really don't. I, I I don't see a Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, not having very many passes. Literally, what he had twenty-seven passes throughout the you know the entire yeah. postseason, which is less than anybody in the history. That and, run game is strong, though. And well, I mean, all they do is run the ball, right? So I have a feeling um, that you know Kansas is going to shut down that run, and Jimmy's going to be passing. So I'm anticipating a big passing day from Jimmy Garoppolo, unlike what most everybody else predicts. That Chiefs defense can be had too. That being said, I anticipate a huge. You know, like everybody else, a huge scoring game. I'm going with 42 to 37. How fun would that be? Who wins? Kansas City. Shootout. That was very, Sarah. Call bullshit on this. That was super long-winded, but <laughs> oh I'm God. rolling with my homies too. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost bought that sweat sweatshirt for uh, my party, but now I have to Amazon it. Um, Kansas City. I have no idea about the score. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game too. Seven to six. <laughs> Seven to six. Barn burner. Seventy to sixty. All, man. all yeah. kicker points. All kicker points. What do you think, Jimmy? All right, everybody, lean in to your speakers or just fasten your your earbuds. Just push them into your ear holes. All right. San Francisco. Because I'm going to I'm going to give it to you. San Francisco wins. It's it's going to be like throwback to Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. So it's it's going to be it's going to be big. The defense is going to lay the wood. And Kansas City. Let me tell you this about Kansas City. I don't trust any city that is spanning two states. Pick a state. Pick a state. And don't give me that show me state stuff, Missouri. You're out. You're out. You are out. We're going back to Super Bowl one. You lost that one. You're losing this one. Kansas City scores 13 points. Pat Mahomes. Is this your stone cold lock of the week? Did you say 26-13? What? Everyone's disappointed. If that's the, if that's Except the score, for you, who, everyone's disappointed, but me, who's just <laughs> laughing and enjoying the Hyundai commercial. Oh, it's gonna be so. Good. And some chicken buffalo dip. Because you bet your ass, you, I'm gonna be eating it. You, if that's the score, we're gonna be bored. You eat chicken buffalo dip? Well, I or buffalo know, chicken I, dip. I appreciate the people. What? Exactly. Keep going. I was just. I see you. I was gonna get a, give a shout out to. Um, the community of people that surrounds me. I enjoy people's company. I don't need a football game to enjoy other people's company. So, I do. I do too. 
Well, well thank you. I well, got to tell you, this was a barn burner. This well, was a Super Bowl of podcasts. Speaking of enjoying people's <laughs> company, I want to thank all you guys for contributing to the show this week. Thank and it was, a, it was a great conversation. Lots of great topics. Lots of great buzzwords. Atomic-based design, object-based approach. If you want to hear more about that kind of stuff, tweet at us at the A-Game podcast. Or just follow us on our social channels at the Adcom Group, LinkedIn, Instagram. Take us out, Mike. You know what's up. Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Purple rain.